your good thoughts for him that way. Um, there is a, a little flyer that Karen gave me earlier too, if you are interested. Um, I think, oh, sounds like we're getting there. We're getting there, maybe? Okay, cool, great. Um, other than, and next Sunday as well, Madison Church is having an anniversary party in the afternoon of which we are welcome and invited to attend. There we go. Whew. Okay. Well, welcome again. Check the announcements. There's all kinds of good stuff starting up. Singing, music, celebrations. It is a great time to kind of feel renewed and rejoiced in the things that God continues to do as the seasons change around us. I think those are all my things. Are there announcements from anyone else to share today? No, okay. Well, let us take time to prepare our hearts and minds for worship in this moment. Please rise as you wish and face the baptismal font. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, who is eager to forgive and who loves us beyond our days. Amen. 
Dear friends, together let us acknowledge our failure to love this world as Jesus does. God of mercy and forgiveness, we confess that sin still has a hold on us. We have harmed your good creation. We have failed to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. Turn us in a new direction. Show us the path that leads to life. Be our refuge and strength on the journey. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and friend. Amen. Beloved of God, your sins are forgiven and you are made whole. God points the way to new life in Christ, who meets us on the road. Journey now in God's abiding love through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Holy One, you look upon us and see our innermost hearts. You know our trials and our joys, our doubts and our dreams. Through the generations, you have been with us. We know that you are coming again soon. Indeed, you and your kingdom are always only a breath away. Help us to be ready. Light our way, dress us for action, and fill us with the faith and wisdom of our ancestors that we will always be ready to welcome your kingdom. Help us not to fear when we face adversity, persecution, or discrimination for the sake of the gospel. Rather, let us rejoice in you, trust in you, and place our hope for liberation in you, O crucified and risen one. Amen. You may be seated. The first reading for today is from Deuteronomy chapter 30. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today, by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him, for that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land the Lord swore to give you to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Word of God, word of life.
The second reading is from Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man, and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful, both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Word of God, word of life. gospel according to Luke, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot 
be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider what he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our triune God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. I think I know why Pastor Andy went on vacation this weekend. Because <laughs> that is a tough read. That is a tough hang, right? So, here we go. <laughs> but I think I'm leaning more into the Deuteronomy text. So if you need to refer back, that's kind of where we're going. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. Choose life. Well, that seems to settle it, right? The answer to life, the universe, and everything. If any of you have read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that's the ultimate question. And the ultimate answer is? 42. 42. Excellent. Oh, I love you guys. Choose life. 42. That's all there is to it, right? Except not, because we don't exist as single, solitary beings isolated from time and space and things going on. What is life-giving to me may not be life-giving to you. Things are not always so cut and dried, and decisions are not easily identified when they are even before us. And I think most of us are well aware that any decision we make, whether individually or collectively, is going to have consequences that may be life-giving to some and feel adversarial to others. We, as a human species, are very hard to please on a grand scale even on a small one. So in thinking through this, my brain has gone many different places. My brain actually still feels kind of broken trying to figure this out. But I'm a bit of a visual person, and so I invite you to do some visualizing with me. Because I love a good Venn diagram. Venn diagrams are those kind of overlapping circles that are different entities, but that overlapping section is where there are similarities between things that may seemingly seem different. For example, one circle could be describing a tomato, and another could be describing an apple. And while they both have uniquely distinct characteristics, the things they have in common, they are fruit, they are smooth, they are round, that's what fits in that overlapping thing. So this is where my brain is going, that we've got this choose life Venn diagram. What is life for me 
might not be life for you, but somewhere in the middle is that sweet spot. So in your head, picture, or if you need to draw, draw a picture that says me right in the middle of it. And then draw another one that overlaps and says not me, okay? In the me circle, you would write down the things that bring you joy, that help you feel alive, that make you feel abundance and happy. For example, in my me circle, the things that bring me the most joy are my dog blessing, making music, and coffee. Those, if nothing else, that's all I need in the world. But in the not me circle, it's pretty much any of you, because your joy is not my dog blessing. I mean, maybe, but not every day. And you may like coffee, but differently than I do. So, me and not me, but in that sweet spot, in that middle, is what makes us the same. What makes us the same is that we are beloved of God, and we are created from love, and we are created for love. We are created for life that is full of hope and faith and love. That's the sweet spot in this Venn diagram of me and not me that we have in common despite any and all other differences. That sweet spot is the promise and love that God has for all of us, for lives that are full of respect and dignity and value. And the challenge with the me and not me circle is that while we get to figure out what fits in our me, we don't get to decide what the things are for not me. But we do get to uphold and uplift that space in the middle for all people. Because what I decide is necessary for me is going to be very different from you, and that needs to be celebrated. My choices, what brings me life, is might do the very opposite for you. As much as I love coffee, it may give you bad heartburn. So we can gather together but not share coffee, and that's okay. But we've got the idea of God calling us to see these things before us. Life, death, prosperity, adversity. And they're kind of intermingled together. Similarly, in our gospel, our very lovely, very easy gospel, Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people not the disciples, no, just a neutral crowd of people who want to follow him. But the choice before them is to follow Jesus, which in one way may be very life-giving, but it's also choosing to lose something. So there's both life and death in the midst. To follow Jesus as a disciple, as one who is closest to him and with him, is to choose Jesus above all other things, including the people we are closest to, including livelihood, including security. That's what Jesus means when he tells the crowd that follow him that they need to hate those closest. Now that's a hard word. Hate is a hard word. And it means something different in our modern context than it necessarily did in the time that this was written down. And so, we look to commentators who know things much better than we do. And so this is what Professor Carolyn Sharp, who is a professor of Hebrew scriptures at Yale Divinity School, writes that in Jewish traditions, hate is regularly used, 
yes, as animosity between actual enemies, but also in wisdom literature to promote the steadfast refusal to allow something less valuable to display something more valuable. So not animosity, but to, to place the thing that is more valuable over the thing that is less. And so Jesus is telling the crowd that to follow him is to make this daring and challenging commitment to claim allegiance over him above all other things. Because Jesus and the realm of God that Jesus is working to usher in is more valuable than all of our things. And that is really hard to consider. For most of us, I think, individually and in the culture in which we live, that bond of family, chosen or otherwise, is often the primary point of connection by which we identify ourselves. Nearly every decision we make in life relates somehow to the impact on what we consider to be family. And I can tell you, working in healthcare, I'm a chaplain over at Attic Angel in Middleton, we often look to family as the primary people who offer caretaking or help make decisions on behalf of others. They are the primary sources of information about who we are caring for and what matters to them if they cannot tell us themselves. And so for many of us, then, choosing family is choosing life. And our chosen family may share DNA, but our chosen family can share interests or love or respect. So to go all in with Jesus in the way that he is inviting and challenging us is going to look to some as choosing the hardest of things to do. Really, then, kind of choosing adversity and maybe even a little bit of death. Because it goes against all the systems of culture that tell us what it means to have life and be prosperous. I mean, I'm almost 40, and I'm single, and my dog is my life. That's not the story I was told growing up that my life should look like. You know, we're, we're told to have a family, to have kids, to have a house, to find stability. That's not life-giving to me, I'm going to tell you. But here's the thing. If the commitment to follow Jesus is, in fact, the more valuable thing, the thing that you are choosing when you choose life, and that also means that the commitment to the realm of God is the more valuable thing. And the realm of God, we know because Jesus has been showing us that throughout the gospel. The realm of God is where those who are hungry are fed, where those who have been lost are found and returned and restored to community. The realm of God is where those who are oppressed are liberated. The realm of God is where we are actually free to be our fullest, most true selves, who God has created us to be. And that is not going to look the same for every single person, because our joys and our needs, our most true selves, are as unique and diverse as there are stars in the sky. And thanks to this awesome new telescope, we have an even better idea of what those stars look like, and they're even bigger and broader than we could have imagined. God sets before us this choice of life and prosperity, death and adversity, and God wants us to choose life, but not just for our own selves alone, life that will be full for every single person. And I think God knows that those choices are going to be different for each of us, 
I mean, we are created in this image of God, and none of us look the same. We may share some traits, but ultimately we are all very wonderfully different. And so when Jesus calls us to pick up the cross and, and follow him, what would it look like if choosing the cross, if that was choosing life, that meant we were actually then choosing to be vessels of the realm of God, committing ourselves to this vision of life where God continues to turn the world upside down and around, not for our sake, but for others. I've had this in my mind because I think there are many, many opportunities for us to do a little bit of carrying of the cross. If we can't commit fully to following Jesus for the sake of everything else, we can at least do a little bit. There are many opportunities for us to remind the world that the realm of God is the most valuable of things and that there are still ways we can work together. Because the realm of God holds space and uplifts many true and wonderful ways for us to be, as numerous as those stars. One of the things I have seen often, especially in the last year, in the last summer, has been the future of our libraries. I love my library. When I have moved, I have moved many, many times in my life, and that's the first thing I do as soon as I have an address is I go to the library and get my library card. It's one of the few places in communities where people go without any expectation of spending a dime, where people have access to various support systems, where people can learn and grow, where we can even see ourselves represented, where we can find ourselves challenged as we are so willing. But there has been a tidal wave of challenge to libraries, where people are determined to hold on to a single narrative of what life should look like for everybody, and are coming after libraries in schools and libraries in communities for having material that shows many ways to be. I mean, this isn't anything new. There has been banning of literature as long as there has been literature, right? But it seems the loudest right now are going after places where there are materials that uplift the LGBTQIA community. In children's books, where families are depicted with a variety of parental figures, in teen stories full of first loves and discovery of self, and adult novels and memoirs of very real lived experiences. Trying to ban these books is also akin to banning us from having lives full of dignity and truth. And in fact, people are even launching campaigns to defund libraries over these materials. It's happened. In Michigan, in a small town outside of Grand Rapids, a group swayed two-thirds of voters who voted in August not to renew the public funding for a library. Now, it wasn't a large number of the registered voters who actually voted for this, but that's not, that's not unusual for primaries or midterm elections. But in a year, that community is not going to have a library because of those decisions. And maybe it's a little more personal, but my most longtime friend, Megan, is a library director in Upper Michigan. And this year, she has also had to fight for her library's right to carry diverse, inclusive, and relevant materials for people of all ages. Because some are choosing to say that life has to look a specific way, rather than opening up life for all. Now, thankfully, these fights are not being left unchallenged. The library that's been defunded in Jamestown Township, if you Google defunded library, that's what you'll find, 
has supporters that in the last month have raised nearly $250,000 from people all over the world, but especially from their local community. That's not gonna last for another 10 years, but they've also made sure there's a new proposal on the November election ballot to make sure that people can vote to restore that funding. And my friend Megan, where her problem has come to a head at a community council meeting in July, there were a lot of people that showed up to support the library. And the board was already willing to support and keep all of these materials, even if we needed to kind of restructure where they were located, but making them still accessible. The bonus is that in this small town where I'm from, where things don't ever seem to change, out of this, out of this issue, a high school classmate of mine who came out transgender a few years ago is now running for city council to make sure inclusion is part of the norm. And an anonymous patron donated $1,000 to add more LGBTQIA-affirming material for circulation. Never would have dreamed that for my town. But these are people that are, in their own way, carrying the cross and choosing life, not for their own benefit, but for others. Being vessels for the realm of God, bearers of the good news for all people. And for us, that may mean standing up and supporting spaces that also work very hard to make sure all people are heard and represented and valued. Because there is life in so many types of stories and experiences, things in which we are born into and things through which we overcome. And so I wonder what it might look like if we commit a little bit more closely with the cross of Jesus to bring the realm of God more fully into this world, choosing to act and pave the way for full, abundant, and dignified life for all people to make their choices. What might it look like if we work towards that middle, that middle part of that diagram again, where God has created us for love and hope and value, where the realm of God continues to move and grow, because it's not like there is a limited amount of God's love to be had and we're all fighting for scraps. God's promise and power is unlimited and infinite and wide and expansive. It's what raises us from death and it holds us close. It empowers us and it frees us, not only for our own sake, but for the sake of the world that needs to hear this good news and to invite others to know how beloved and how holy and how worthy of all good things we are. Amen.
We pray for the church around the world and for the mission of the gospel. Refresh the hearts of your people, deepen our understanding of every good thing we share, and strengthen our partnerships in the faith. God of grace, hear our prayer. For the well-being of the earth and all its creatures, for trees and forests, for all that will yield fruit this season, for all streams and other bodies of water, bring relief to people and places impacted by climate change. God of grace, hear our prayer. For the nations and those in authority, for the elected leaders of our towns, states, and country, and for international organizations, grant wisdom to those who govern and raise up citizens who make decisions in the best interest of their neighbors. God of grace, hear our prayer. For all in need, for those who suffer from disease, who struggle with homelessness or food insecurity, for those whose family life is difficult, and for all in this community who need your care, especially Jane, Jackie, Sharon, and all those we name now, aloud or silently. God of grace, for this community of faith, for all our labors begun, continued, and ended in you, that they glorify your holy name. Bless your people with the strength to live into their many vocations for the sake of the world. Grant us the courage to advocate for safe and equitable work environments for all people. God of grace, we give thanks for the saints who now rest from their labors especially Peter Claver, priest and missionary. Give us faith like them to love you with all our hearts and by your mercy, bring us to everlasting life. God of grace, gather together in the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, gracious God. We offer these and all our prayers to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share that sign of peace with one another.
us pray. Gracious God, in your great love, you richly provide for our needs. Make of these gifts a banquet of blessing, and make us ready to share with all in need. Through Jesus Christ, who sets a table for all. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Church say amen. amen. 
Join our prayers and praise with your prophets and martyrs of every age, that rejoicing in the hope of the resurrection, we might live in the freedom and hope of your Son. Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us in the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom Welcome to join at this table, for it is of Christ's invitation that we get to come and be here. The ushers will guide you from the aisles into the center, and you can come up to the rails. There is uh, cups of wine, right? Grape juice, right? Grape juice and things on that side. You'll come and receive bread, and you can go back through the center. Christ invites us to this table. Come, let us taste and see the goodness of God. body of Christ given for you. Amen. The body of Christ given for you. Yep. 
body of Christ given for you. The 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 body of Christ given for you. body of Christ given for you. The 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 body of Christ given for you. given for you the body of Christ 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 given for you Of Christ given for you. The body 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 of Christ given for you. Body of Christ given for you. Body of Christ given for you. the body of Christ given for you.
please rise as you are able. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen, keep, and unite us now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. God of the abundant table, you have refreshed our hearts in this meal with bread for the journey. Give us your grace on the road that we might serve our neighbors with joy. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
God, who gives life to all things and frees us from despair, bless you with truth and peace. And may the Holy Trinity, one God, guide you always in faith, hope, and love. Amen. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is to proclaim and celebrate the love of Jesus Christ. So let us ask